This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. How do you keep track of all your passwords? Do you use an app? Is it on a post-it that's underneath your computer? Or do you just use the same one for everything, like me? Any security expert would tell you not to do that last one. And a Google search will give you a laundry list of the best tips, tricks, and special characters to use to shore up your online protection. But what if passwords could become a thing of the past? Shira Ovide is writer of the Washington Post's Tech Friend newsletter, and she's been looking into this. Welcome to Reset, Shira. Hi, Sasha. I tried not to cringe when you talked about your used passwords. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry, Shira. I've tried. But it's just one that's stuck with me for a long time. But we'll, we'll get into it and we'll, we'll put my problems aside for now. I want to know your experience with passwords. <laughs> what, how do you do it? Do you use an app? Uh, look, I'm not a normal person. I write about technology for a living. And so I think by necessity, <laughs> I have to be a little bit more kind of sophisticated about this stuff than a, than a normal American. I do use a password manager. There are these services that basically you create a single password to unlock a vault uh, that stores all your passwords securely, or at least securely in theory, and it also kind of automatically logs you in when you go to websites uh, and apps so you don't have to, you know, type your 20-digit password into the tiny screen on your phone. Yeah, but I, again, I'm not normal. You're, I'm not you're suggesting not, that everybody do that. You're not the the average American, as as, as you said. I mean, because we we forget our passwords and we end up having to come up with these more complicated replacements. So keeping track of passwords for you, then it's it's easier because you're using you're relying on technology to to help you with that. I am, and again, I'm not suggesting that everybody everybody does what I do. I think the the message that I'm trying to convey to to everyone is that this whole password system we we feel intuitively and and we're right that none of this makes sense, right? That we are expected to have a unique, complicated password for every website and and digital account that we use, and at this point in our lives, that might be like hundreds and hundreds of accounts, and it's just not reasonable to expect people to have sort of perfect digital security everywhere where they have an account. And uh, the security industry knows this, right, that no one is under an illusion that this system that we've gotten used to over the past 25 years of Internet history, Mm -hmm. that this is really working for us individually and collectively. This is leaving us all unsafe. So you recently wrote in the Washington Post that, quote, passwords must die. All right. Tell us how you really feel, Shira. (laughs) Right. No no mincing words. So, again, I, I think the basic problem is the one that I articulated, that we all know it's impossible to maintain our individual systems of, you know, all these complicated passwords on every single website and app that we use, and just the existence of passwords, right, that every company in the world has this database of all of our passwords, the existence of those databases of our passwords is is just like a honeypot for criminals, right? And that's mm. why we hear every day about, oh, so-and-so company got hacked, and a whole bunch of passwords and email addresses got collected. So what the technology industry has been working on for a number of years, and I want to be clear that this tech solution is going to be imperfect for a while, and it's going to take many years. But the basic goal is to kill passwords and to replace 
our digital identity instead of these, you know, long strings of gibberish numbers with basically some other way to prove that you are you. If you log into, you know, Facebook every day at 3 p.m. from the same Mac computer, we can be pretty sure that that's you, right, and not some criminal posing as you. And, you know, that's the type of approach that the technology industry is moving towards to this sense of, okay, we've seen this pattern before. Shira is logging into Facebook from this same device uh, we can feel fairly confident that this is Shira mm-hmm. without having this um, password that we know will be abused or has the potential to be abused. So essentially, you are imagining in this article a password-free future. That's it, exactly. That we, in in the future, the future that we want, we will not need a password to log, to access our accounts. Mm-hmm. There will be some other approach to authenticate that I am me. So do you see you see biometric data becoming more prevalent then and, and common? It, it could be, yes. I, and I think in the interim, it is going to be something like uh, biometric data, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the way you prove your you on your device and in some accounts, you know, by using your fingerprint or a face scan. It doesn't necessarily have to be biometric. So, you know, some of these companies that are using passwordless systems uh, they include Microsoft. So I, I wrote in my in my article for the Washington Post that I you know have an, an Outlook.com email uh, account, and I recently deleted the password from that account. I just scrubbed it entirely from Microsoft systems. Mm-hmm. And so now when I log into my Outlook email account, um, Microsoft sort of uh, sends me this notification on my phone or on my computer wherever I'm I'm using um, logging into Outlook, and it just it either uh, knows that it's me automatically again because I've used that device before, or it says, "Hey, we sent this, you know, two-digit code to your computer. Confirm that this is it, uh, and and that's it. There's no password on my account. A- again, this does rely on us having like phones or biometrics in some cases. Yeah. In the future, that may not be necessary either. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about the the government taking our facial recognition or our our fingerprints. Uh, people being tracked by their faces at the airport. Any basis to this at all, Shira? Well, look, I, I want to be clear that we definitely should be worried uh, and concerned and careful about those kinds of facial recognition systems in use in public places, including you know airports and some businesses and in use by law enforcement. I, but I want to make clear the distinction between those facial recognition systems and what we have on many phones and devices, which is a sort of face scan or a fingerprint scan. Mm-hmm. And the distinction between those two is that when I use Face ID on my iPhone, that is not, you know, Apple or somebody else, um, you know, looking at my face or sa- saving my face in a database or comparing it to other faces. It is my phone uh, taking kind of ultrasonically imaging my face, scrambling it into a mathematical model, and saving it on a secure portion of my device that never leaves my device. So I understand why we're concerned about facial recognition systems in use in some public places and by law enforcement or, you know, biometric identity, you know, you're giving your fingerprints to 
um, the TSA or something like that. I get why we're concerned about that. I, I want to be clear that's very different from what's happening when we use a fingerprint or face scans on our on our computers and phones. You also raised this uh, interesting hypothetical in the story. You said, can a severed finger unlock a phone? What's the answer? You know, the, the short answer is probably not. And and look, I the reason I brought that up is I, I hear that question occasionally. And I remember when Apple first introduced Touch ID about 10 years ago, that was a question that um, Apple, that people asked Apple back then. And I totally understand it. So just to be clear, I asked a number of digital security experts about whether if can you use a sort of severed finger to unlock a, a phone? And the answer is probably not, um, you know, the, the, the fingerprint sensors on our phones, they are typically doing these kinds of detections that require um, live skin tissue. You know, you have to have kind of electricity going through your finger, which is why in most cases, if you have like gloves on, right, you can't use um, the fingerprint sensor on your phone. One person, to be clear, did say, yeah, it may be possible for a clever criminal to do that. I think the important thing is that while I understand we go to these worst case scenarios about security technologies, that we don't want to um, kind of overlook the everyday benefits of these security technologies uh, because there are potential, uh, you know, fringe risks, right? This, you know, there may be some outlying dangers, but don't, you know, don't throw out the baby for the bathwater. Right, right. So, you know, for folks listening right now and, and, Maybe they're growing concerned about their own cybersecurity. What can they do in the meantime to maybe just get a general benchmark on how secure their information is right now? Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I'm really sympathetic because I think people hear lots of advice and scaremonger- scaremongering about mm-hmm. it. And I actually feel bad now that I made fun of your your own um, <laughs> habits of The password, password I made up when I was 11? I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think for for most people... You know, a sort of manageable thing that they can do is take a look at, at your most important uh, digital accounts. Uh, email should be on that list because email is sort of the the gateway to all your other digital accounts often. So look at your email, look at places where you have money, you know, bank accounts, credit card, uh, investment accounts, and, and maybe social media also. And um, just on those accounts, just try to improve one little thing. So maybe it's making sure, in your case, that you know those accounts don't have passwords that you're you're using somewhere else, right? So yeah. make sure that that those essential accounts they have unique passwords. Um, if you can, if it feels manageable, try to make those passwords a little bit longer. The advice that I heard from people is. Don't worry so much about oh, it has to have you know an uppercase letter and a symbol and an exclamation mm-hmm. part, uh, an exclamation point. Try to make it a little bit longer, even if that means uh, kind of like mushing together four words that don't make sense. Uh, you know, woodpecker, merino, cats, maybe something like that. Right, uh, mush together words that might be easier to remember. Yeah, and if you can use these kind of second step for authentication features, right? So you have like a one-time code that you get texted in, in addition yeah, that to two factor. password. That so is I think key. focusing on the important accounts is, is useful information. Well, that was Shira Oviday of the Washington Post, writer of the Tech Friend newsletter. Thank you so much, Shira. Great advice. Thanks so much.